It was um, October, it was October, cold morning, on a brisk morning, October 2019. I remember stepping outside for, I don't even know why, I just stepped outside the door, and I heard a series of booms, I mean loud booms that shook everything. I had no idea what it was. Um, Some people knew what it was. They were gathered around to watch the show. Uh, But I quickly looked up the local news to learn that what I had just heard was the implosion of the old PPNL electric plant in Shimokin Dam. And it stood there my entire life. And it really took me by surprise when I heard that, I mean, earth, literally house-shaking, earth-shaking, boom, 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 boom. And I did not know what was going on. Some of you may have even worked there at some point in your life. Uh, I did not know this until I looked up find out when this actually took place, because I remembered it, but I didn't know the date. Uh, When in operation, it was the largest coal-fired steam generation plant in the world. I did not know that right here in our back door. And yet, 425 pounds of explosives set off in 35 roughly separate charges brought that plant tumbling to the ground, the first half of it. And then the second half was brought down just last year. Implosions are fascinating things to watch. Do you ever watch buildings taken down? I I never saw one live, but um, I wanted to talk about this this morning, and I thought, well, I'm going to look up and just watch, and I I ended up watching that video over and over and over again, and it's kind of neat. It's a series of explosions on key structural elements, structural areas of a building, and it places pressure on parts of the building that were not designed to hold that kind, of, to bear such weight. And so there is an explosion or a series of explosions, and then we have a pause, a dramatic pause, uh, and then the structure falls inward, not outward. It collapses under its own weight because it can no longer bear the weight without those key structural components. It's the pause that fascinates me. I have to tell you, it's the pause. Everyone is the same. There's a blast, then there's a pause, and it almost appears to me as if something went wrong. Like, oh, it didn't work. (laughs) Um, Maybe it wasn't done right. Maybe there wasn't enough charge. But there's no going back at that point. Because in a few moments, the structure collapses. You just have to wait. Guys, you know me. I've preached in this church for many, many years. You know I'm not one to talk about politics from the pulpit, and I'm not going to do that now either. But I am going to make a statement today, not for political purposes, but to a spiritual end, and then present you with an opportunity for a call to action. These thoughts of mine originated several years ago when I had the chance to sit under a week of teaching with uh, Dr. Pastor uh, Robert Jeffress of First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas. And these thoughts have been mulling over in my mind for quite some time. And I thought I would, I felt compelled to share them with you today. And I believe they're probably more relevant today than they were about five years ago when I first heard them. Just as a structure is demolished with a series of explosions, I'm going to share with you what I believe are three explosions or three series of explosions that have occurred in our lifetime in our country. The first was a series of three explosions. The first explosion is a series of three, um, which removed any acknowledgement of God from the public square. In 1962, daily Bible reading was removed from schools 
1963, one year later, the practice of opening the school day with prayer was declared to be unconstitutional in two separate Supreme Court cases. Then, a few decades later, in 1980, the Ten Commandments were removed from all public school buildings, and they were, they were not allowed to be hung there any longer. I never experienced a day where the school day opened with prayer. Some of you have, some of you did not. All of those three explosions that I just described took place before my years in school had begun. But what happened was school boards became so paranoid about dealing with anything to do with religion that they just said, we can't do anything, we can't do any of that. And schools struck religion from curricula. Teachers avoided the topic. Children, I believe, got the message that, that faith can only take place off campus. Well, in the New Testament, both Peter in Acts chapter 10 and the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 2, they make the same statement. What they say is this, God is no respecter of persons. And I would add to that that God is no respecter of people or of nations. He does not get goosebumps when he hears the Star-Spangled Banner or hears Lee Greenwood sing God Bless the USA. Our God does not salute the flag. He honors nations that honor him. Psalm 33. You might want to turn there, please. Psalm 33, beginning at verse 12, says some very important things to this topic. Psalm 33, 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord the people he has chosen for his own inheritance. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of mankind. Verse 14, from his dwelling place, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all. He who understands all their works. A king is not saved by a mighty army. A warrior is not rescued by great strength. A horse is a false hope for victory nor does it rescue anyone by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who wait for his faithfulness to rescue their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. So that, I believe, was the first explosion. The second explosion, I think, occurred in 1973 with a Supreme Court decision case called, known as Roe v. Wade, which legalized the killing of unborn children. And I have to ask you guys, what does God do with a nation that kills its own children? The scriptures tell us what he's done in the past. If we look at 2 Chronicles chapter 28, we have the account of King Ahaz. Ahaz was not very old when he began to reign, and he did some things which were quite deplorable, in fact, 2 Chronicles 28, verse 1 tells us Ahaz was 28 years old when he began to reign. 20 years old, I'm sorry, 20 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, and he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord, as his father David had done, but he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. He even made metal images for the Baals, and he made offerings in the valley of the son of Hinnom, and he burned his sons as an offering. 
according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. Did you catch that? God drove out these, these pagan nations in order to give Israel a nation, and then Ahaz did the very same things that the nations that God drove out before him had done. Jeremiah chapter 32, you don't need to go there, but it tells us that this was the very reason for the Babylonian captivity. This was the very reason God removed this, these people from their land and carried them off into Babylon for so long. God calls the murder of children detestable and an abomination. The third explosion took place, I believe, in 2015 when gay marriage was made a constitutional right in the U.S. And I'll ask you this also. I, well, I don't think we have to wonder what God will do to a nation that bathes its White House in colors that represent depravity. And we're about to face a second series of explosions with this so-called Equality Act, which is just passed the U.S. House last week. And this week, we'll move on to the Senate. This bill will threaten every religious institution and Christian-owned business in this country. Friends, I'm no prophet. I do not know the future, but I do study history, and I observe culture, and I know what God's Word says. No nation that explodes its foundations can stand. And the charges have already been placed. In fact, they've already gone off. We are simply living in the United States, I believe, during that dramatic pause. And so I want to direct our thoughts this morning for just a few moments to Matthew chapter 5. Because the question that I have is, how do we live as Christians and citizens during the pause. In Matthew 5, we see our Lord Jesus. He's beside the Sea of Galilee. Thousands have gathered all around him. They're seated on this lush green hillside uh, in what we call the Sermon on the Mount. I, there are probably... Well, it's not there anymore. There was an orange poppy flower in a frame over on, the, over on the, that window, that bookcase on the side of the sanctuary. This hillside is covered with orange poppy flowers. And he, in the Sermon on the Mount, he gives some instructions on how to live in a culture that hates you and that, in fact, persecutes you. Matthew 5, at verse 13. I'm going to read this. 16. And Jesus tells them, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how will it be made salty again? It's good for nothing anymore except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do men light a lamp and put it under a peck measure, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So here Jesus tells us that we are the salt of the earth. Now guys, 
if you, if you, I'm sure you know this, salt does not prevent rot, but it does delay inevitable rot. You have some meat, you salt it down, if you're a hunter or you're butchering, you take a hide and you, what do you do with it? You salt it down. Why? It doesn't prevent rot, it's going to eventually rot, but it delays inevitable rot. We live in a world, friends, that is spiritually dead, according to Ephesians chapter 2, and this isn't earth-shaking news, dead things stink. (laughs) We ought not be surprised at the stench of the culture that we live in, but we're salt. And, And as salt, we work to preserve God's morality. There is a place in the Christian's life to become involved politically. There is a truth to speak in in the classroom and in the workplace and to our neighbors. We can't be afraid to speak truth, a truth that will preserve morality as long as we can possibly preserve it. That's our job. But secondly, we are light. We're salt and we are light. We're called to shine in darkness with a message of truth and a message of hope that causes men and women to glorify our Father in heaven. I don't mean to offend you by this statement, but friends, God, there is no biblical mandate to save America. But there is a command to save Americans. And I think sometimes we get too caught up in trying to save America something that we were never told to do and we ignore that we ignore saving Americans, something that God explicitly commanded us to do. And the church sometimes is known more for its political rhetoric or stance on political issues than it is on helping the hurting. What did Jesus say at the end of Matthew before he left? He said, all authority is given me in heaven and earth, therefore, what? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And until this pause is over, until the end of the age comes or our Lord comes to to take us away, we are here with him, with his presence to fulfill the great commission. He says, I am with you always. We have with us here an organization that is in the business of helping those who are hurting, of of meeting people in time of crisis, when they face the realities of living in a culture that is stinky because it's spiritually dead, and it meets them where they are, helps them in their struggle, and shares the light of the gospel with them. We're going to turn the rest of our morning over to these ladies, uh, we have Margie Conrad and Abby Negro and our very own Tiffany. And they're going to come and tell us, share with us what they're doing in their efforts to be salt and light in, a, in this culture and in this world. And then especially how you and I can get involved and play a part. Margie, are you first? Would you please come and... Share with us what God has placed on your heart. Sure. 
I've been here before. And, and you certainly, all of you know of the Pregnancy Care Center because all of you have been the foundation. You talk about a strong, firm foundation. We found it here, right here at the Stonington Baptist. You've been with us. And I bring to your attention, or your memory again, um, someone who we all loved, and that was our Pastor Holman because of Pastor Holman and the work that he did to get us established. He was on our board, but he was more than just a board member. We have another, uh, one of your parishioners, Carol Clark, is one of our board members. You know when Pastor Holman was on that board and we began and we'd sit at a board meeting and whatever had to be decided and it would be going back and forth, He'd just sit there and just sit there, and pretty soon he'd have something to say. He'd listened. He had the ability to listen really close. And then he would present the opposite of what we were wanting to do. But what if? But what if that happened? But what if? And you know we need that. You need that to be really, you, you have to be able to look ahead and say it's not going to be a rose garden. There's going to be opposition. And he was there for such a time as that. He was one of the pillars. I loved him dearly. Bonnie, where are you? <laughs> he had my heart. Sometimes in a board meeting, he made my face get very red. I tend to blush. If I get, up, you know, really inflamed about something, I think, what is he saying that for, you know? But all the while praying, praying to the Holy Spirit, let me know the truth. And, you know, it would always be revealed. And I believe he, being one of the pillars, is why our Pregnancy Care Center continues to stand, because the foundation is firm. And it was established in Christ. It go, grow, goes forth in Christ. I love what you said, Nathan. Every, every word. Every word that he said is the truth. And I loved what he said there at the end. And sometimes we as Christians, we take it for granted. You know, it's sort of like always having mom. And, you, you know, mom's always there. But let me tell you, when our Lord Jesus says that he is with us always. He's here. He's right here. And I know all of you pray before you come in. I know Pastor Nathan, he prayed. Well, I too and, and the others that are with me prayed. And I prayed especially that we would know his presence among us. And that would give us a tremendous hope because what Pastor Nathan said is true. You're going to go out into this world and there are things coming that we know they're coming. This is the pause. I believe that. My nephew said, uh, we had dinner together on Friday evening and he said to me, you know, it can't get much worse. And I said, call me a prophet. I know that what, what the Holy Spirit gave within me and it was, oh, yes, it can. 
Yes, it can, and it will. But we, I believe, are in the place that we need to be. You're here, all of us in that firm foundation. We know that Christ is with us. But in those times that are coming, we have got to be firm in what we believe. And there may be persecution because of that. I believe that we will be persecuted for our desire the sanctity of human life from conception to natural death. Because in these times where the elderly are dying all around us, you've seen it, the disgrace of things that have happened in our nursing homes. We've had, in my church, I look around and I think, where have all the elderly gone? We have lost so many to COVID. We're gonna have to fight for those for the elderly. I heard somebody else say during this past week about the, why don't we just let it happen? They've accomplished their work. Do you hear that? With COVID, just let it happen. Let the elderly die. Stop shutting down nations for the elderly. So when we, we're here today for the sanctity of human life, but know this to be true, it's not just at con from conception, it's from conception to natural death. And so we work together with all of you. We can't do it without you. We have, well, Tiff is from your church community here, Carol. Uh, we've had many that have helped us from this very church. And you know, you're continually seeing us as a mission and coming forward for us on a yearly basis, if every church the size of yours, there's many that are larger, but if every church would give in the amount that you people do here, we wouldn't have to have a walk for life and we wouldn't have to have a banquet. 75 churches would give the way that you people do. And, and not just in the, in the monetary, but I'm thinking of the way that you come forward as volunteers. In your willingness to, to do something, you know, besides all of those baby things and all of those wonderful things that you do in regard to diapers and wipes and, and, and babies' clothing and so forth. There's many ways that you have all helped. I wanted to uh, look at that and remind you that don't think that you can't do anything or don't think that I'm going to give $10 or whatever it is that you can afford and say, no, okay, no I, I did my part. I would ask you to go much deeper. Maybe you don't have 10. Maybe you don't have anything. We, from the time we began, had somebody that continually never fails. Tiff, you can back me on this. Three $1 bills every month. She doesn't have any more than that to give, but she never fails to give. But in, in, besides that, she's one of those persons so that says, how can I help? So she's been our money counter. I mean, that may sound, but you know when you get those baby bottles in and they're lined up, hundreds of baby bottles, if you ever counted just some change, uh, understand the dilemma that, and I say dilemma, it's a good dilemma, but it's still, this gal that 
gives, uh, she, she will come and she will uh, count and count and count. And when she had hip surgery and she was in a lot of pain, she came and stood and counted with the machine. There's just ways. We need people to help clean the building. That's, you know, we get a lot of traffic through that building. There's so many. We need somebody in the store that's going to help get all those little outfits down from the third floor and put out the spring clothing. So there's many ways that you could help. Uh, but I'm getting into my other person's talk. I'm sorry. Uh, I would like uh, Tiffany now is going to come forward and welcome her with her part of it. Hello, so, do I need to speak up, or is that good? We're good? <laughs> okay. So, what Pregnancy Care Center is, I think, like Margie said, most of you know who we are, what we do, but just a brief overview. <laughs> um, PCC Corner of Hope actually is our new name. We changed in... 2017 we updated because we expanded and added medical services um, and we just felt like so many people were seeing pregnancy care center as just a women's issue and we offer fatherhood classes so we offer std testing now that's not just for women obviously um, but we are a christian organization that stands for life, as Margie said, from conception till natural death. And we're also looking at expanding that way as well into finding ways that we can help the elderly and just be there for them, even if we can't uh, help daily or whatnot, but that they have a support system um, somewhere to come. Uh, I know that that's a... Um, a spot in Margie's heart and also one of our other uh, employees, Tiani, uh, who's our nurse manager. And it's, it is something, I live actually in an elderly high rise with my grandmother and so I, I can understand um, where they're coming from. But that's a little off topic. <laughs> we, we're here for the whole family. It's not just the pregnant mom, it's the father if he wants to be involved. It's even grandparents who are raising their children. Um, like my grandmother has custody of Danica, actually, and so mom and I help her. But um, it's for anybody who just needs a listening ear sometimes, too, if they've gone through abortion or if they've went with somebody who had an abortion and they don't know how to handle that. Uh, we are there to listen and to help walk them through those difficult times. Um, right now, we are seeing clients both in person and online. It was wonderful that um, our company, who we get our curriculum through, had actually, within the last few years, started rolling out an online portion that they that we could use. And so um, I want to say it was two or three years ago at a conference, they were pushing that, like, hey, you can start doing this so you don't have to have the physical DVDs. You don't 
And then COVID hit. <laughs> and what a blessing that was that we had that there because we can then actually text our clients the links to their classes um, and we can track who's watched them or not. They have the tests that go along with to see what they've learned. They actually have a pre-test and a post-test um, to see how much they've grown through watching that video. And then we have our mentors who will either, if it's not in person, they'll call them or they'll hop online and um, do like a Google Meet class with them so that they can discuss what they watched and um, what they've learned through that. But yeah, so lots of things happening. Um, as far as who we are, we're four staff and 19 volunteers, but that includes the board. So we could definitely use <laughs> uh, some mentors and receptionists. Uh, we have one gal right now who's going to be done, I believe as of May, who does a lot of our receptioning for us. So receptionists are a very big need. Um, we will accept people who, even if they can just do say one day a month. We normally said one day a week for like a year, but <laughs> we're trying to expand a little bit and to accommodate some people have very tight schedules and so we're looking at, okay, well, even if you can just come in and be the receptionist once a month for us, um, about 9.15 to 3.15, uh, Monday through Friday. And then we do have Thursday nights that we're open still from five to eight. And we're located at 150 South Market Street in Shimokan. And yeah, I think that's it for my part. <laughs> but we have a video to show and then Abby will be on to talk. Something we all know, something we all feel, is that each person has value. From the youngest to the oldest, from the weakest to the strongest, from the most cautious to the most gregarious. Each person has value because God loves each one of us with his unending love. He first loved us not because of our goodness, but because of His great love. And that love is not just for a few. It's for the entire world. God loves those in church today, and He loves those who have never attended. He loves those who seek Him daily and those who try to hide from Him their whole life. He loves those who are full of joy, and He loves those who are hurting and in need. And he loves and values those who are in plain view and those who are hidden and humble. We are able to join God in his love of babies, even before they are born. We can share God's heart for expecting mothers who are scared, excited, or unsure. We can give our prayers, our time, and our support to the least of these. 
and we can stand alongside God's righteous forgiveness of those who have experienced the pain of abortion. And we can share God's truth that each life created in His image is wonderfully made. Will you join us? God's deep and abiding love is given to each of us freely. Today is your opportunity to share that love with others. Please, turn your hearts, minds, prayers, time, and support toward the choice of life. Help us educate and demonstrate God's truth that each person has value. When a child is in need, we know that our churches will reach out and provide anything necessary. There is a genuine desire found in our Christian community to show the love of Christ, both in action and deed. But what of the needs we don't see? What of the children who are hidden in their mother's womb who need protection, support, and love? And what of the mothers themselves who have a desire for love, connection, and training, but do not have a relationship with our Christian community? These young women, the ones who are often at the fringes of our society, are who we serve. We provide guidance, love, support, training, and friendship. We extend the love of Christ and expect nothing in return. Our goal is simply to see God's wonderful saving work make a difference in these lives both now and in eternity. And we do so with practical, realistic, and responsible care. When a woman in a crisis pregnancy walks in our doors, we first provide her with a pregnancy test and guidance for her pregnancy. We offer hope in a time that can be overwhelming and provide a path forward that will help her see the possibilities of her future. If she chooses to parent, we offer classes and material support to help her become the mother she wants to be. If she chooses adoption, we will arrange for assistance in that process and help her work through the emotions of that decision. And if she chooses abortion, we are there afterward to talk and heal. No matter her decision, our love for her still flows from Christ, our source. Each woman who walks in our doors is special to us. We love her and her children, born and unborn. We are blessed to be used to reach out to those with hidden needs, and we are blessed to have supporters like you who make it possible. And it is because of these Christians, working in unity for those in need, that we are able to generously share Christ's love. Your support makes all the difference. I just love that promo. I swear I could watch it in a loop. I don't know. Um, well, I, I'm Abby, as I said uh, before. Um, I've taken over Margie's role and I'm um, really excited to to be here today to talk to you and, and to be in this role. I'm honored that you're having me here. Um, so one of the things that we uh, pride ourselves on is that um, we, we run on donations from you. Um, some have, have said to us, oh no, what, what will you do now that, um, you know, we have a president that, that um, doesn't share our views. And Margie has always said, we'll do what we always have done. We'll count on our Christian community. So thank you. 
so there's some images in that video of the store. Uh, here's another one. So donations of uh, material goods are wonderful. Of course, you support us with our Walk for Life. And recently, you just did our baby bottle drive. Uh, so thank you so much. And the baby bottles are still coming in. If you still have one at home, bring that on back. Um, and Tiff mentioned a little bit about this. Um, maybe, maybe you're thinking about volunteering somewhere. Uh, think about us. And, and a lot of folks think just about the mentoring or about the reception. And certainly those are the upfront ways that you could volunteer, but there's lots of behind the scenes things. Uh, if you do consider becoming a mentor with us, you're gonna have ample training to understand uh, the best way to speak to folks' hearts. Uh, that's an extensive process, so don't feel like we're going to throw you in to the, throw, throw you to the sharks right away. And that commitment uh, is between one to four days per month, that's up to you. Uh, the reception and store volunteer, this is a friendly face, a person who can welcome folks to our center and then we have something new. Uh, oh, that's the image of the person answering the phone there. Uh, Barb, actually. But anyway, uh, we also have something new called our Saturday Squad. And this is going to be every other month on a Saturday. We're going to get together for a few hours and do a project. So upcoming, if you want to join us, uh, March 20th on a Saturday, we're going to switch all the clothes over in the store from our um, winter clothes into more spring and summer type items. So 10 to 1, and I'll probably get pizza for everybody. So if that entices you, come on down. And then uh, also new this year is Heather's Hope Memorial Garden. So if you have a green thumb, we would love to have you come out. Mine is black, so I will, I will enjoy the beautiful flowers that you all grow. Uh, Heather's Hope Memorial Garden will be located on the side of the building near uh, where the, in between the center and the clinic, you sort of saw it there near where the community aid bin is. Uh, and uh, there's a wonderful article in, I have um, newsletters for you at the entryway. And so uh, it talks more about Heather Campbell and um, Tiani Bingaman, who I'm not sure if you know, uh, she's our nurse manager. And her sister was uh, tragically murdered last summer. Um, you may have heard about it at uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. And um, so we'll be having a memorial garden. And, and it is in memory. It's called Heather's Hope. Uh, but it's really for all of the lives that have been lost. And we especially remember the lives of the, of the babies who have been lost. Um, and so... It's very far away, so I can't read this, but <laughs> um, I just thought I would end in a prayer. I hope that's all right, Pastor. Okay. Um, Creator God, we give thanks to you, who alone have the power to impact the breath of life and form us in our mother's womb. Grant, we pray, that we, whom you have made the stewards of creation, may remain faithful to this sacred trust and constant in safeguarding the dignity of every human life. And I just want to thank you so much for your time today, everyone. And thank you, Pastor Nathan, for having us. Uh, I hope to see you, all of your faces at the center. So thank you. <laughs>